Father, in the name of Jesus, we honor you. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your kindness towards us. We thank you for always revealing yourself to us. Thank you for always bringing us your word in this season. Thank you for each and every one here. Even as we hear your word, our hearts and our minds are open to receive from you. To be elevated and to be upgraded by your word. Thank you, Spirit of God, for understanding is coming to everyone. Even in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. When Jesus spoke about himself in the book of Revelations, he said, I am the beginning and the end, not the beginning to the end. So every man discovers God only in the beginning and the end. Philippians chapter 3. You know, sometimes when you hear something like this being preached. Don't be quick to criticize the doctrine because um, you could, you, you could um, be at a phase in your life where you understand a part of it. See, because sometimes when you show people this, I said, look, you're going to chase God. I said, no, God lives in me. You don't know what you're saying. You know, first of all, it's important that you have the basics. The basics that Christ won you is very important because to get onto a search, because that's what some other Christians are on. They're on a search for something they already have. And that's well understood. They, are, they don't have the fundamentals right. So when they embark on that search, they never ever reach what they are looking for. So that's there. But it's important that you have the fundamentals right. The fundamentals that Jesus apprehended you first. So like in the story of Paul, he was apprehended by the Lord Jesus. And later, many years after, he now says that I may know him. Why? Because now, even though Jesus had apprehended him, he has now come to a place where he needs to now apprehend Christ. So, the message of a pursuit after God is right. The same way, the message of God pursued me is also right. But it depends on which class you are in 
That's why I'll be very careful to share something like this only in a leaders and partners conference. So if you are probably not any of these and you are here, um, it's fine. Um, but understanding is given you by the Spirit of God. So go to Philippians chapter 3 again. Philippians chapter 3. So verse 12, he says, not as though I had already attained. So he says, it's not as though I had already attained. Either we're already perfect. But I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. You see, yesterday when I closed Pastor Eric came here and he was, he, was, um, he was making a confession that you guys were responding to. Very important. He said, I win Christ. You see, the, the, the first gospel you heard is that Christ won you. See, you're going to win a soul for Christ. You see, so Christ won you. But Paul now starts talking in Philippians chapter 3 and says that I may win Christ. All right? Um, that's in verse 8. Philippians chapter 3, verse 8. He says, Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord. So look at it. He says, I counted by loss for the excellency of the knowledge. And I explained to you that in the beginning, what you saw of Jesus was a knowledge of him. But what you see at the end, like Mauli was saying, is the excellency of the knowledge of him. And I said, there is a place in God, there is a realm in God where nothing else is reality. Where nothing else exists. Now, some of you have, have gotten there before. Because, I don't know if you have, well, I have been there, you know. Um, and... You probably have been there. Let me, let me show you the symptoms. You were praying, or maybe you were in a meeting, and all of a sudden, you don't want anything again. All you wanted was God. All you wanted was Christ. All you saw was Christ. Nothing made sense anymore. Nothing meant anything anymore. All you saw was Christ. It's that place. At that place, a man cannot be hungry. Because God is food. And I said, how did Moses manage to be 40 days? How did Moses manage to be 40 days without food? And I said, in, in that realm, it's called the glory realm. It's that in that realm or the glory realm, everything is perfect. In 2018, fire of God camp, there was a moment like that. Every song was perfect. Every movement was perfect. Every voice was perfect. You know the funny thing? We finished that meeting. We got, there was another meeting. We asked the same people to sing the same song and they sang, sang left. Because in that realm of glory, nothing is imperfect. The glory perfects everything. It's a, realm, it's a place. It's a place. And sometimes there are glimpses into this glory. And I said, when we talk about the glory realm, most Christians know about the realm of the heavens, but they don't know about the realm of glory. It is that realm of glory that Lucifer was looking for. 
He said, I will set my, remember what I told you yesterday, he says Psalm 113, he says, God's glory is above the heavens. His glory is not in the heavens. His glory is above the heavens. So those religions that want to go to heaven, heaven is not God's best. Remember, God is going to make a new heaven. So this current heaven is not God's best. Why? Because there's, a, there's a, uh, an altar in that heaven as we speak because of sin. And there's a blood of Jesus. So that's not perfect. So there's going to be a new heaven. And God's glory resides above the heavens. Now, Lucifer, what he wanted was not to sit on God's throne. You have to get the context right. He was not looking to sit on God's throne. I was oh, he wanted to sit on God's throne. No, no. He said, I will set my throne above the heavens. That's what Lucifer said. Because Lucifer realized that when God created a structure, there was space above the heavens. There was space above the heavens. But God had reserved that space for something. And I'll, I'll tell you that in a bit. There was space above the heavens. And he said he wanted to go above the heavens. And the psalmist saw two things. The first thing he saw was that it was the glory of God that was above the heavens. Then he also saw another time, he said that God had exalted his word above all the revelations of his name. So even though there was space above the heavens, it was for his word that was above, uh, that was exalted even more than the revelations of his name. And one day in the book of John, it says, and that word became flesh. And then he now sits in that place of God's glory. All of God's glory is tabernacled now in Jesus because he's the one who is above the heavens. Someone say, how can you say that Jesus is above the heavens? Hebrews. Because it's that place of glory. At that place of glory, prayers are not answered. The, the, the crisis don't exist. <laughs> Boy, I wish, I really wish. Hebrews chapter 7. Verse 25. Wherefore he is able, who is he talking about? Jesus. Wherefore he is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him. Seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. Seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. Verse 26. Then he begins to talk about this Jesus. He says, For such an high priest became us, who is holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, and made higher than the heavens. That place of glory where a man encounters God. And, and, and James was right when he said, draw nigh to God because this is, this is the thing. This is the thing. And remember what I told you yesterday. The guys were walking at Emmaus and Jesus appears to them. First of all, when Jesus came to them, they did not realize. They did not recognize Jesus. So he was just talking with them. But then their eyes had to be opened. All right. So he broke bread. And their eyes opened. They saw him. And the Bible immediately says that immediately they saw him, he was vanished from their sight. Why? And this is the thing that a lot of Christians don't understand. That we were told that if we receive the Holy Spirit, we'll never thirst again. But then we find ourselves receiving the Holy Spirit and then not... Um, and then 
also looking for other things. Because, and I'm showing you in the in, in divine mystery, is that that Jesus you saw when you got born again. All right. Though very complete, but there is the excellency of him at the other side that will now take a pursuit. Now, the thing is, you will not see the one at the other side until you have seen this one. If any man ever tries to see the Jesus in the full, fullness of his glory at the other side, without seeing this one, it will never be possible because this is the one who has to appear to you. This is the one you have to look for. The first Jesus appears to you. The other one, are we talking about two separate Jesuses? No. But you need to understand, I, I hope I can, I can go in. Right. But I want you to understand that every phenomenon of God has to happen twice. There were two Adams. On the day of atonement, there were two goats. Jesus died two deaths. He was born two births. Why? Because the scripture had already said, in the mouth of two or three witnesses, is a word established. So anytime God wants to establish something, it will come twice. I, I intentionally asked you people before I said, can I go in? Yeah. I intentionally ask you people. So Paul said, even though I was apprehended of him, by the, at the first glance, I was apprehended of him. He says, now I go to apprehend him. Then the pursuit begins. The pursuit begins. Go to Philippians chapter 3 again. From verse 10. Verse 10. That I may know him. Then I may know him. Let me tell you something. If you are older, maybe you've gotten to a time in your life where you know you're 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 older. Don't, don't feel any way bad, any bad about what I'm about to say because, I mean, it's, not, it's open for you as well. But it's more difficult for a man to pursue God when he gets old. Let me tell you why. Now remember what the psalmist said. He said, early will I seek thee. Let me tell you why. Because you cannot pursue God with weight. Okay. Go to James chapter 4. I'll come there. James chapter 4, verse 8. Verse 8. Draw nigh to God and you draw nigh to you. I'll come back to this and I'll show you something there. Cleanse your hands. Look at it. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners. Now, he's not talking about... Well, I'll explain it very soon. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye don't mind it. I'll come back to this. But, this is it. You cannot... Pursue God and get to that point where you win Christ. Remember first, Christ won you. Now you are going to that place where Paul says that I may win Christ. 
Getting to that place, you cannot get there if there is something with you. So, from, from the beginning of the journey, so at the beginning, what you saw was the Christ that saved you. Now, at the other side is the fullness of his glory. That if a man attained, he had attained the perfection of him. And this is the beautiful thing. By the time the man here gets to the man here, he will be like the man there. Which one of those will come? Stand there. You stand there. You stand here. So, this is the Jesus that appeared to me. Then, he vanishes out of my sight. So, I'm moving from here to here. So, how do I move from here to here? Now, Jesus vanishes out of their sight in Luke chapter 24. But before that verse ends, he, sent, he told them something. He said, behold, I send you the promise of the Father. So, Mauli, come. To here. Now, he sees this Jesus. He's saved now. But then, he needs to see this one in the excellency of his glory and knowledge. But Jesus has vanished. And the Holy Ghost comes. I'm going to take you here. That's, that's the work of the Holy Ghost. He's going to take you there. Then, he starts with you. Then he realizes, oh, your shoe, you can't take this shoe there. You can be here for two years till their shoe goes off. Then the shoe goes off. Then you're going. Then you tell, oh, Holy Ghost, I don't have a car. Then he sees that, okay, the problem is not that you have a car or you don't have a car. There's a car in your heart. We need to remove it out. There's a car in your heart. I need to get it out. Because by the time you get here, you would have to have cleansed your hands and purified your heart. Come on, go to James again. Draw nigh to God. So, this guy is drawing nigh here. And you draw nigh to you. They say, cleanse your hands and purify You double-minded. Why? Because the Bible has already said concerning the double mind that a double-minded man cannot receive anything from God. So if the man has a double mind, he'll never get there. So as he's going, no, oh, come on. I'll get you there soon. Now, as he's going, the Holy Ghost is going to work on him. Listen, the work of the Holy Ghost in your life is not to give you a miracle. It's to make you like Christ. Okay, okay, Ephesians, Ephesians 4, verse 10. Ephesians 4, verse 10. Look at it. He that descended is also the same that ascended up far above all the heavens, that he might feel all things. All right? That he might feel all things. And he gave some. Now, why? So, this man, remember what James said. He said, draw nigh to God, he will draw nigh to you. So, he's there, not just waiting He's also orchestrating ways you can get there. You know? Come on. I hope you understand what I'm saying. He's also orchestrating ways you can get there. So one of the things he does that, so that you can get there to this place he is, he sends you a pastor. Come on. I'm not saying this. We'll see it in the Bible. And he gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. From, from 12. 
to give us, look at, if what you are seeing there is one in the Bible, say yes. If it's not there, say no. To give us miracles and signs and wonders. He said, for the perfecting of the saints. Now, the guy, no, come on. Listen to what God is saying. The guy, this guy, this guy met Jesus. He didn't say for the perfecting of the sinners. It's supposed to be perfecting of the sinners. But because he met him, he's already a saint. But he has not attained perfection. So the Holy Ghost has come, even though he's already a saint, to take him into perfection. For the perfecting of the saints, then he says, for the work of the ministry. One of the things that will get you to that place is that you will have to be involved in the work of the ministry. Not to be a pastor. Not, not necessarily to be in the work of the ministry. is not pastor because if that's the work of the ministry, then you should have seen in verse 11, go, go to verse 11, that, and he gave some the work of the ministry. No, he gave some apostles and some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, teachers. Then, for this, verse 12, for the perfecting of the saints. Now, the command that's not supposed to be there, that's a wrong one rendering. It's supposed, for the perfecting of the saints for the work of the ministry. Then the next thing is, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Next thing is, Verse 13, till we all come, come on, till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So the Holy Ghost was working on the young man. But there's something about the Holy Ghost teaching. It takes longer. It takes longer. But because it takes longer, he sends you a man you can see. So the Holy Ghost is working. Your pastor is working. He's working on you. The Holy Ghost is working on you. Your pastor is working on you. The man God sent you is working on you. All they are doing is not, and sometimes people, because people don't know this, they are looking for the, the wrong thing from their pastor. They don't know that their pastor is set there by God to make them come here. Now, it's not going to be a, a, a good and cozy and jolly ride. Sometimes there'll be offenses. Now, anytime you're offended, there's pride in you. It's as simple as that. Yesterday, I was, I was listening to, you know, one of those stories that they tell about a man who was in church and his phone rang and his, and his pastor rebuked him and he went to a drinking joint and all to the... To the end that don't judge in church. Come on. The problem is with the man. He can't take correction. First Corinthians chapter 3. Look at verse 1. And I, brethren, he's talking to Corinthians because something was going on in the church in Corinth. And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. Why is he calling them babies? Verse 2, I have fed you with milk and not with meat, for hitherto you, you were not able to bear it, neither now are you able. These guys are babies. They are still at the first place. How did they get there? Verse 3, for ye are yet carnal. How? For whereas there is among you envying, and among you strife, and among you divisions, are you not carnal and walk as men? Ah, when I went to church, they did something against me. They also stepped on my leg. Oh, come on. You thought the Holy Ghost did not see? You thought the Holy Ghost was not around? He allowed them to do it. Then you said, Holy Ghost, fire them. He said, I will not fire them. 
And he says, you, let's deal with that thing in your heart. Instead of the Holy Ghost to go and fire your enemies, he said, your enemy is not the problem. That you offended is the problem. Then he deals with it. He performs a surgery. You go back there. They offend you. It never touches you. And he says, yes, we can move to the next level. Why? Because the one over there, there's a record of him that when he was slapped, he did not respond. The biggest thing God can ever do for you is not to get you to, to do a mighty thing. It's to make Christ formed in you. It's to get Christ to be formed in you. You can quote big scriptures. You can pray as long as you want. If it is not all ending up in Christ being formed in you, into you getting into that excellency of that knowledge at that side, nothing has happened. Nothing has happened. Every time, ask yourself, am I, am I, am I growing? See, am I getting to this man more and more? You see, how close am I getting? You see, you ask yourself, am I better than I was in January? The things that used to offend me in January, do they still offend me today? Am I better than I used to be in December? Even, am I better than I used to be in March? Has anything, has the, has the Holy Ghost been able to pass on any message to me that has made me better in April than I was in March? Listen, what I was saying about when you are older, Sometimes it's more difficult to pursue God. Let me tell you why. Because sometimes when you get old, that's when all the cares of life choke you. So now, you want to pursue God, but you need to pay your children's school fees. So you want to act your faith. You want to have faith, but you need to also pay the thing. <laughs> the biggest challenge is that you did not start early. You can afford to act your faith and fail with it when you are younger. Why? The consequences are lower. The consequences are not heavy. You tried. I'm in school anyway. I tried. <laughs> I acted my faith. It don't happen. I'm in school anyway. Then I act again. Then I'm getting a hand of it. Because you see, these things that we, 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 we talk about, what we told you is true. But it might not work because the fact that you have read a medicine book doesn't make you a doctor. Because there's a relation between what you know and whether what you know knows you. People know things that don't know them. Because they've read it. There is a participation with knowledge. Sometimes you know something. Not only do you know it, you have worked it. One time I was preaching on, on mastery, how to become a master of something. Like faith, you can master faith. Some people have mastered faith. Some people have, even, even in, in the whole topic of mastering of faith, there are even faculties in faith. For example, you can master faith for finances and not master faith for your health. You can master faith for different things. So there are different faculties in, in the mastery. So sometimes somebody can really, really be a man of faith, even in finances, but the other side is not really, really showing up. Why? Now, in mastery, I'll give you the, the point. The first is to know it. If you want to be a master, the first thing is to know it. 
That means whatever we are talking about, if it is faith for finances, first thing is to know it. And when we are talking about mastery, what's mastery? You see, in our life, we deal with these things and sometimes we, we overlook them. For example, if you are doing your wedding, you are not going to call your, your friend who knows how to cook. Come on. She knows how to cook, but you, know, you will call a master. You don't look around and say, ah, the last time you cook, you know me for me. You will cook for my wedding. <laughs> if you do that, be ready for anything that happens. You see, she knows how to cook, but she's not a master. The fact that you have picked a menu doesn't mean you make the food nice. But all the knowledge is intact, but you, the still food might not be nice. Why? Because you will need to master it. So to master it, the first thing is to know it. Jesus Christ said, woe unto, unto you lawyers, for you have taken away the key of knowledge. Knowledge is a key. Prayer is not a key. How can prayer be a key when you are praying wrongly? Prayer is not a key. Knowledge will give you how to pray. How can I say, I pray. If prayer is a key, I pray in the name of Richmond. Nothing will happen. So you see, it is knowledge that I'm supposed to pray in the name of Jesus. That will not move me to pray. That will not give me the results. So knowledge is a key. Say, woe unto you lawyers, for you have taken away the key of knowledge. Ye entered not in yourselves, and, and them that were entering, ye hindered. So when people take away the key of your knowledge, what they've done is that they did not enter, but also did not other, allow others to enter. But this is something about the key of knowledge. If these guys had entered, if they are not taking the key away and they have entered, other people will enter. So when anybody enters any knowledge through teaching, otherwise, other people enter that knowledge. So knowledge is a room. So sometimes people know something because they have the key. They enter into it. Like for example, if you have never known about, if the whole church had never known about prayer, praying into, with uh, prayer positions, it means so, there are some things that will never happen for them. But the day the pastor gets the key and he comes and he has, he has entered the room, then he tells the people, hey, I've got a key. Everybody enter. You see the whole church will just enter. That's why it's good to be praying for your pastor. Father, give him keys. <laughs> we pray for the apostle God, Father, give him keys. Because if he gets the key, he enters, you all enter. So the first one is to know it. Gaining mastery of any spiritual topic, any spiritual faculty. First is to know it. The next is to do it. You can know all the menu and the recipe for Jollof. If you don't do it, you never know it. You never become a master if you don't do it. So, oh, I know. Listen, listen, with my mouth, I can tell you how to cook some food, but I can never cook it. <laughs> you do it. So, for example, those who master giving. Sometimes you wonder how some people always, it's, it's, not, it's not like they have the money in their, in their account, but if they, they say they are setting their heart to do something, always the money appears. Always the money appears. Some people are thinking some special anointing. No, it's mastery. And even in the faculties, there are still classrooms. Why? Because you can master faith for finances and still not master faith for finances for 100,000. So the guy has the key for 1,000. The day he catches the key for 100,000, he enters. He brings other people in. Do it. The first one is to know it. 
The second one is to do it. The next one is to do it again. Mm. <laughs> I said the next one is to do it, do it again. When you started learning how to play the keyboard, they told you, you have to know the keys. Does it mean you can play? Huh? They show you do, re, mi, fa, so, la, ti, do, do, ti. So when they ask you, ah, do you know how to play the keyboard? Yes. <laughs> he knows it. If he doesn't know it too, he can't be a master. Come on. If he doesn't know, he can't be a master. So he has to know it. But the knowing doesn't mean he's a master. Can I say that again? If he doesn't know it, he will not be a master. But the fact that he knows it doesn't mean he's a master. Then, he learns it. They've written it. Do, re, mi. Then the next thing is, he starts playing it. Do, re, mi, fa, so. He's doing it. If he doesn't do it, he will never be a master. Then he does it again. He's playing it. Now his hand is getting on some of the songs. He's doing it again. His hand is getting. As he keeps doing it again and again and again and again, one day he'll be playing. He'll even leave his left hand and his right hand will be playing. He's doing it again and again. He's becoming a master. The same it is with giving. Some people stop at knowing it. Some also stop at doing it. This is the thing about, about giving. This, this, they started, they know it. If you give, you will receive. If you give, you will have. If you give, it's, ah, if I give, that is it. Then the person gives on that first day. He goes back home. Nothing happened. It's just like that lady who saw the recipe for Jolov, tried it, and it didn't come out the way she saw in the advert. It didn't come out how she saw it in the advert. He said, ah, this recipe is false. It's not true. It's very correct. Everybody said, I gave, I gave. Nothing happened. Eating, what we are teaching is correct. But it's very correct at the other side of it. I paid my tithe. Nothing happened. You do it. First of all, you know it. Then you do it. Then you do it again. And the guy kept giving. He just kept giving. Then one day, something happened. He caught something inside it. He knows what to do. From that time, he just knew what to do. Every time. He can even give sleeping. What was the last one? Do it in an increasing measure. At this time, at this time, you see, if you're going to be a master, let me explain something. Those who play FIFA will understand this better. If you want to master being world class, all right? Okay, if you want to master world class, you can be a master of world class, but be a baby in legendary. True or false? You can be a master of world class. So to do it in an increasing measure means you have to change the, 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 the ground on which you are playing. So to, to be a master of cooking jollof, you can cook for 100 people, but maybe you don't cook, be able to cook for 10,000 people. So, if you were cooking for 100 people, to be a master of the 100, it is required that you now cook 200. Because what you know how to do is 100. You have to push yourself to 200 that you have never done before 
When you are able to do it, one, two, and your hand gets on it, 100 has now a chance for you. Now I'm a master of it. But I'm still not a master of where you are. Well, let me go back. Philippians chapter 3. Verse 10. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection. And I explained that yesterday. The, what is the power of his resurrection? He's telling you that how do you get to that place? From this guy to that guy. From the Jesus who saved you and the perfection of his glory. How do you get to that place? He says that you would need the power of his resurrection. Paul said, I want to know him and the power of his resurrection. And I said, it's not necessarily the power that resurrected him. No. What he's talking about here is, he's talking about the glory life. The resurrection life. For you to understand it, go to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians 15. How does a man attain that place? Mm. Mm. Go to verse 40. Verse 40. He said there are also celestial bodies. At this time, the, the apostle Paul is talking about the different bodies that they are. He said there are celestial bodies and bodies terrestrial. But the glory of the celestial is one. And the glory of the ter terrestrial is another. So there's a glory of the earthly life. And there's a glory of the heavenly life and the glory of terrestrial is another now verse 41 there are, there is one glory of the sun another glory of the moon another glory of the stars for one star different uh, different from another star in glory verse 42 so also come on remember he wants to know the power of his resurrection he wants to know the power of his resurrection he says so also is the resurrection of the dead see when jesus said Anyone who loves me should follow me. Then he says, he said that person should carry his cross. You are not carrying the cross for Jesus to die on it. It's you. <laughs> ah, somebody said that. You mean I'm going to die? <laughs> Something's going to happen to you. Remember, the Holy Ghost came to help you get there. But some things will have to die. By the time you get there, you should have been resurrected. Because only resurrected people stand there. So also is the resurrection of the dead. It is sown in corruption. Okay. It is raised in incorruption. It is sown in corruption. It is sown in corruption. It is sown in corruption. Could be friends. Could be the kind of, your best friend no longer wants to have anything to do with you again because you started going to church. Then God is asking you, sow it. Sow the friendship. Sow the friendship. But you love your best friend. You even tried to bring her to church. She came once, twice. She didn't come again. But you are thinking, my best friend. It is sown in corruption. But it will be raised in incorruption. If you allow it to die, you will find new friends in church. Designed by God for you. Next verse. It is sown in dishonor. Sometimes, I'm still using friends. Sometimes, it became a dishonorable thing. They saw you praying in tongues in the room. These are the friends that you used to go around with. You love them so much. You have gossip, all sorts of gossip. They know all your keys. <laughs> then God is asking you, saw it. 
but it is sown in dishonor. As you are sowing it, now, you've got to that place in your life. They are laughing at you when you speak in tongues. They are laughing, laughing at you when you are going to church. Ah, she will come back. She will come back. We are waiting for you. It is sown in dishonor. Now it becomes dishonorable to follow God. They will make sure it becomes dishonorable. It will be as though, what have I done wrong? As though you are smelling. Then you'll be presented two cards. It is sown in dishonor. Should I go back for my honor back? Should I go back? Maybe, maybe, maybe I shouldn't do this too much. Maybe I should follow them to where they are going. Then when you follow them back to where they are going, hey, hey, we are not talking, you are not talking. You are not talking. You got your honor back. But you didn't know that this friendship, this thing must be sown in dishonor, but it will be raised in glory. Five years later, they'll look at you. Wow. You might not have the most beautiful car, but they'll see peace all around you. It is sown in dishonor, but it's raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is sown in weakness. It's as though, you know, it has not become a weak thing for you. But he said, it is raised in power. It says, so also is a resurrection from the dead. Go back to that verse in Philippians. He said that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. The power of his resurrection. Philippians 3. And the fellowship of his sufferings. That means I'm going to identify with Christ's sufferings. I'm going to identify with Christ's sufferings. Being made conformable unto his death. Verse 11. Marabah. If by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. He says, I want to get to that thing. How Jesus got to that place. He said, I, when I do this, he said, I will attain unto the resurrection of the dead. That's what Paul said. He said now, Paul is not saying I want to die and resurrect. No. He said, I want to attain that thing Jesus attained. He, he, he let the, the cross go. He, he, he let himself go. He got on the cross. He wanted to attain the resurrection of the dead. He was already a powerful Jesus healing the sick, but he had to embrace the cross. When he embraced the cross, it was dishonorable. It was weak. It was corruptible. For three days, nobody had seen him. They were even making jokes about it. Ah, have you seen that guy? He said he would save the world. He didn't even save himself. In fact, even on the cross, about to die, somebody on the cross with him said, Master, if you say you are the master, save yourself and save us. Mockery. But on the third day, the power of his resurrection, he was not the same Jesus that died. Something had happened to him. He had gotten to the excellency of his knowledge. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering be made conformable unto his death. If that by any means I may attain unto the resurrection of the, of the dead. Verse 12. Not as though I had already attained. You see, you see, not as though I had already attained. Either we're already perfect, but I follow after. I say, this is going to be a pursuit that I may apprehend. So he's going to, he's going to leave this site where Wilson was standing to where Richmond was standing. He said, he said, now I'm going to 
attain. I'm going to follow after. I'm going to pursue. There's going to be a pursuit I'm going to have because I'm looking for that Jesus on the other side. He says, after, if that I may apprehend that for which also I was apprehended. So I'm going to catch the thing that caught me here and vanish. I'm going to catch it over there. Verse 13. Shut that back up. Verse 13. Brethren, now this is where the scripture is coming from. Brethren, I count myself not to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. Verse 14, I press toward the mark. Come on. For the price of the highly calling of God in Christ Jesus. What's the high calling of God in Christ Jesus? It's not to be a pastor. The high calling of God in Christ Jesus is not to be an apostle. The high calling of God in Christ Jesus is not to be an evangelist. The high calling of God in Christ Jesus is not to be my one partner. The high calling of God in Christ Jesus is to attain Christ. How do you get there? Verse 13 gives you the key. Verse 13 gives you the key. He said, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting all those things in the past. You know, the past has a way for, the, the past is behind you, remember? The past has a way of keeping you from getting there. It could be good past, it could be bad past. It could be bad past because you see, Paul had to say this because he's coming from a bad past. He has a bad past. What's his bad past? He was killing Christians. Nobody wants to identify with him. You know, they didn't even trust his message. He couldn't go to preach in Jerusalem. He had a bad past. A bad past of persecuting the church of God. He has to put it behind him if he's going to get there. He also has to put behind him his good past. Why? Because sometimes your problem is your good past. Your problem is your success. So you are, you are, you are wallowing. You have, you, are, you have done some things in ministry, but you don't know that you just walk a few steps away from the Jesus that vanished. You see, there's still a Jesus to be attained on the other side. There's only Christ to be won on the other side. He said, you put it behind you. You don't, you don't consider what you did last year. He said, you're going to press on. You're going to press on. The thing God asks you to do is not because he just wants you to do them. It's not so you can become number one partner. No, that's, he's just helping you to make your steps faster so you can win Christ. It's Christ he wants you to win, not the award. But as you win the award, you will know if you are getting there. You're pushing I want to win Christ because sometimes it will take everything and that's what God wants. He wants it to take everything. He wants to take everything. He wants to take everything. Brethren, I can't know myself to have apprehended but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. He said, I press toward the mark. I press, I press, I press, I press. Give this, give this to me in the Living Bible. From verse 12, the Living Bible. Molane kiste, morane skebahai, narubakaika. Ay, thank you, Lord. Verse 12, I don't mean to say I'm perfect. I haven't learned all I, I should even yet, but I keep working toward that day when I'll finally be all that Christ saved me for and wants me to be. Verse 13. He said, no, my dear brothers, I'm still not all I should be, but I'm bringing all my energies to bear. I'm bringing all my energy to bear. Now, now that will remind you of James. James says, you double-minded. That means if I'm double-minded, I'll never get there. The only reason, the only way I'm going to get there is if I become focused. Is I'm going to bring all my energy to bear. So, I might not have needed focus to see him the first time, but now that I'm chasing him, I'll need focus. I'll have to bring all my energies to bear. I'll have to make Christ all in all. He said, no, my dear brothers. He said, no, dear brothers, I'm still not what I should be, but I am bringing all my energies to bear on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. What lies ahead? Verse 14. 
I strain to reach the end of the race and receive the price for which God is calling us up to heaven because of what Christ Jesus did for us. New Living Translation from that verse 12. I don't mean to say that I've already achieved these things or that I have already reached perfection. That's perfection. Remember what he said in Ephesians. He said, unto a perfect man. He said, I don't mean to say I've already reached a perfection. He said, but I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. Next verse. Next verse. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it. But I focus on this one thing. Forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. Next verse. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God through Christ Jesus is calling us. Go back to King James. Christ is my focus. Christ is all. Because sometimes things try to get into your mind. Things try to get a better view. You're thinking of every other thing. You're thinking of making it. You're thinking of becoming something. All that God wants you to be is to be the best version of Christ as revealed to us in the scripture. Not as though I'd already attained. Either we're already perfect, but I follow after. If that I may apprehend that for which also I'm apprehended of Christ Jesus. Verse 13. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. Verse 14. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Verse 15. He says, Let us therefore, as many as be perfect, be thus minded. If any, now he says that, he said, Oh, someone's going, Oh, no, this might not, ah, no, no. He said, If any, if in anything ye be otherwise minded, God shall reveal even this unto you. He says, if you are saying what I'm saying is a lie, he said, I, I leave you. God will reveal this unto you. God will show you that this is the best pursuit of your life to pursue after God. Pursue after God. Pursue after God. Verse 16. Nevertheless, where to we have already attained. Let us walk by the same rule and let us mind the same thing. He said, all of us should mind the same thing. Christ should be our mind. Christ, in this church, Christ should be our mind. Christ is, Christ is what we should attain to be. We are not trying to outdo anybody. We are not trying to do better than anybody. Christ is our focus. Christ is our goal. Verse 17. He said, brethren, be followers together of me and mark them which walk so as ye have us for an example. He said, when you are in church, he said, be followers of this thing. He said, and also look out for those things, those people who are in church but are looking for other things. He said, mark them. He said, they are not following this thing. Ah, verse 18. He said, for, for many walk of whom I've told you often. Now, these people are in church. He said, for many walk of whom I've told you often and now tell you even weeping that they are enemies of the cross of Christ. They are enemies of the cross of Christ. What's he talking about? He's not saying they are enemies of, of, of the cross. 
What he's saying is that they are enemies of the cross of Christ. What does the cross of Christ symbolize? It, it, it symbolizes sacrifice. They are enemies of the message of sacrifice. They are, they are enemies that, ah, how can you spend all your time in church? They are enemies of that thing. They are enemies that, ah, how, how can you be serving this person? You have a life for yourself. They are enemies of the message that you should sacrifice your life for Jesus. They are enemies of that message. They are enemies of the cross of Christ. They are enemies that we should go out for soul winning. They are enemies of that message. Don't you have other things to do? They are enemies that you came to church in the morning, you went in the evening. They are enemies of that message. They said, don't go to church. Don't you have things to do? Wash on Sunday morning. They are enemies. He said, some people, some of those people can be in church. He said, I've told you often. He said, I even told you weeping that they are enemies of the cross of Christ. How do you know them? Go to the next verse. How do you know them? Whose end is destruction? Where they are going is going to end in destruction. He said, whose God is their belly? You will know that from the things that they are pursuing. Their God is their belly. All they care about is what they will eat. All they care about is what they will have. So they are telling you not to give because they are trying to keep their money. Not because giving is bad, but God has said, He said, these people are enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction, so don't follow them. He said, their God is their belly. You will know it. Their God is their belly. They will tell you, don't give. Do something for yourself. Their God is their belly. God is their belly. He said, whose glory is in their shame? Their glory is in their shame. The thing they should be ashamed of, they are glowing in it. Me, that pastor cannot talk to me anyhow. Shame on you. Shame on you. You cannot be corrected. That's what you are. Whose God is their belly? Whose glory is their shame? Me, you can't talk to me anyhow until I will lash you. They also suspend you. Whose glory is their shame? Whose glory is their shame? You are in the choir. The choir head told you, don't sit like that. Well, while you are leaving, you are so angry. You are telling your friends, I'm not coming to the choir again. See how the quality that spoke to me. It's your pride being revealed. Your pride being revealed. Sometimes, you can be corrected and you know that this correction, I didn't deserve it. I didn't deserve this correction. Maybe she's saying, don't sit like that. But maybe you were not sitting like that. Maybe you were picking something and after you finished picking the thing, you found yourself in that position and your leader said, don't sit like that. You can say, hey, I was not sitting like that. Don't talk to us anyhow. We're in the choir. We came to serve God, not you. glory is their shame. Never pride yourself that you, you, you can do something to somebody. It shows how far you are from the man who is standing on the other side. How far you are from him. If I get the chance to speak to pastor, I will tell him everything they have done to me. Then you got the chance to speak to pastor. Pastor said, no, 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 you are wrong. And you say, no, pastor, this church, injustice, injustice. You are giving, you are giving your best. Nobody's recognizing you. You're thinking, but I'm giving my best. I'm giving my best. Where's nobody seeing? They only respect the people who give a lot. The only reason why the people give the Lord, what about me? What about me? I'm going where I will be celebrated and not tolerated.
You know what you do? At that time, you keep giving your one CD. Keep giving that one CD. Nobody will see you, but God is seeing you. One day, three years later, they'll be calling who has given the most. And you'll be so surprised that it was you. And you look three years ago because you had the right attitude with your giving. God promoted you. The Bible says, He said, brethren, you submit yourself under the mighty of God that He may exalt you in good time.